The following program is brought to you by your friends at Podcast One. Don't forget to download our new Podcast One app. Hi there, it's Laura Wasser. And if anyone knows how much divorce sucks, it's me. I've been practicing family law for over 20 years, and I've worked on thousands of divorces. Creating peace in families is how I lost my voice. From the top of the food chain all the way down to my very first case, which was my own divorce when I was 25. I wrote the book on divorce, or I wrote a book on divorce. It's called It Doesn't Have to Be That Way, How to Divorce Without Destroying Your Family or Bankrupting Yourself. That book became a bestseller because it presented another option for ending a marriage, one that doesn't necessarily include lawyers and one that leaves more money in both parties' bank accounts and less animosity in their hearts. We created It's Over Easy, the one-stop breakup divorce resource online with the same principles in mind. So welcome to the Divorce Sucks podcast, where we talk about breaking up, getting divorced, and moving on. Most of today's show was recorded in New York City on the day we officially launched It's Over Easy. I'm from California, but we chose the Big Apple as our launch pad for the new online divorce site because of the city's diversity and high standards when it comes to the law, particularly matrimonial law. And like the song says, if you can make it here, you can make it anywhere. New York City is also where the wing was born. The founders call the multi-purpose space a home base for women, and they invited me to speak to a group of 200 New Yorkers no men allowed, about divorce, breaking up, and moving on. In April, the wing expanded from Manhattan, where they have three locations, to open a beautiful new space in Washington, D.C. Go wing. The event was held at the Soho location. This perfectly curated no-man's land is a home base for women on their way. We drank rosé and chatted amidst wood floors, high airy ceilings, and pink walls above the bustling Soho streets. I was blown away by the variety of women in the audience, and, the mono-gender thing aside, there were a range of ages and perspectives in that room, and I was honored to be able to have this kind of a real conversation. Hi, <laughs> I'm Laura Wasser, and this is my first time at The Wing. Thank you very much for having me. I am in New York for the launch of a website on Thursday called It's Over Easy. I wanted to talk to you about being a woman and being a working woman and being not only the owner of a law firm that has 16 attorneys and many more employees, but also being an entrepreneur and starting a new company and being a mom, which I probably should have said first. I'm from Los Angeles, so we're dealing with the Hollywood and the Me Too and the time's up of it all. And it's so interesting to kind of sit there and watch. I mean, obviously, it's not okay to be taken advantage of and it's not okay to be paid less and it's not okay to be sexually harassed uh, or discriminated against. But even those of us who are lucky enough not to have had those physical assaults have had to kind of figure out what the right road is for us as you kind of come up in the world. I own my company and I came up in a world where, I mean, the, probably the nepotism was the worst thing that happened to me because I worked for my dad. So there weren't too many people grabbing my ass or inviting me to hotel rooms. More than anything, they were saying like, oh, honey, I was at your bat mitzvah. You know, you don't know what you're doing. And I was like, okay, fucker. And then we would get up <laughs> to council table and he had been playing golf for the past three weeks and I had been actually really studying and figuring and knowing and I knew the stuff and we would win. Generally, people have always looked at divorce as 
a huge failure, a huge embarrassment. It's sad. It's bad. It's horrible. And I'm not saying it's good. I'm not saying like, yo, let's go get divorced. It's going to be awesome. But it is happening and people are getting divorced. And so that same kind of message of turn this not into an experience of doom and gloom and misery, but this is going to be the next chapter of your lives. Raise your hand if you're in your 20s. 30s? No, wait, 30 is the new 20, I heard. So, okay. So 20s and 30s. And, and, and the other thing is this. <laughs> 40s? Okay. I'm, I'm still, I'm, that's okay. I'm, I'm with you, girl. I get it. I'm, I'm 49. I'm going to be 50 this year. And I was speaking with a young woman today who is 25, and she's getting divorced, and it sucks, and it's miserable. And I was like, oh, your starter marriage. I had that. I barely remember that. That was like a blip on my radar. I didn't have kids with him. We had a gorgeous wedding. There was like 250 people at the Bel Air Hotel. And about 14 months later, right after I took the bar exam, I went and talked to my dad and said, I don't think the whole marriage with Alvaro thing is working out. And he goes, the marriage with Alvaro thing? That's your, that's your husband. What do you mean? And I said, I, meh, I'm no. And he said, well, okay. First of all, does he beat you? I said, No. Does he cheat on you? I said, I don't think so. Does he drink or do drugs? I said, not any more than we do together. I mean, that's actually, those are the good times. He said, so what's the problem? I said, we're not happy. We're going in different directions. So he said, look, you, you're passing the bar. You, you, you can do the, your divorce yourself. Have at it. I'm never paying for another wedding. And I've never gotten married again. And as I said, I have two kids with two different guys. I have a boyfriend now. He's neither one of those guys. I love love. I think everybody should get married at least once if they want to. The dress, the flowers, all that stuff is awesome. But I do believe that you pick your own path in life. And, and, and this young woman that I was talking to today, 25, man, you have so much more life to live. I didn't even have my first child until I was 36. There's this whole learning curve that we're going through now as parents and as women and as people kind of figuring out a new way to be with a lot of the old things that might work well, but also some of the new things that might be incorporated into that that are going to be better. And we, you particularly, the, those of you who raised your hands who are in your 20s and 30s, and those of you who are in your 40s and even 50s and are here tonight, which clearly means you have a young and awesome spirit, we are going to be the people that move that needle. We don't have to have the right answers. We have to know that if we have open minds, that we have the power to make changes, and the power to be, have positive influence on what's going on in our world for ourselves and for other people. And again, this is the moment. This is the moment right now. I want to be able to do something now that gives a little bit back and that does change the face of divorce. That's why I created It's Over Easy. That's pretty much what I have to say, and I know that was a lot in a little bit of time, but if you guys have questions or you want me to talk about anything specific you let me know, whether it's divorce, entrepreneurship, being a mom, being a professional, law, whatever it is. Yes. Hi. Um, so I'm one of the rare people that is going to a divorce. I'm in my 30s. Um, and uh, so we've been separated. And I guess one of the things I'm wondering is, um, you kind of touched on it before, it's really hard to find information online um, about especially like certain laws in New York and things like that. So that's the first thing. Like, where can I find like a, raw, a lot of information? Please um, go to itsovereasy.com. We have a lot of information. We launch, on, and again, like it's free. You can read about it. You don't, there's no commitment. You don't have to do anything. We also do have a referral wall. There are a couple women here tonight that I know that are matrimonial attorneys in New York. Um, 
more than anything, what is important is for you to have an education about the law in the state you live in so that you can find out about child support, whether you're paying it, whether you're receiving it, spousal support, equitable distribution, how things get divided. Educate yourself. Find out. It's Over Easy is a good place to start, and then there will, we will lead you to other links and other people that you can talk to because when you have more information, you will feel so much more empowered going through this. I also would say, I don't know if you're in therapy now, one thing I say to all new clients when they come to me is be in therapy. It is the gift that you give yourself, like going to the gym once a week or getting a massage once a month or a facial or whatever it is. Be in therapy. Have one person that you can have. They don't even have to talk. It could literally be a crash test dummy. If you get a great therapist, that's all the bonus. But somebody that you can just have cone of silence and just kind of projectile vomit how you are feeling once a week and be able to have that moment of letting it all out. So instead of stuffing it down and stuffing it down, it's huge. And if there is in your neighborhood or area, any kind of a support group through your church or the local high school or the local college or whatever, join it. Ask for help. Ask for support. I think that will those three things will get you through this process. And, and then know if you're in your 30s, you got a whole life ahead of you, baby. There's, there's, there's going to be more people to partner with and, and, and love and have a wonderful time with. This is not the end. This is just the beginning of the next chapter. Thank you. That's kind of what I was wondering. I'm like, is it the end of the world? <laughs> it's not. It feels like it. And it would be weird if it didn't feel like it. You don't want to be the person that uses abortion as birth control, so to speak. I, I went to high school with those girls. What you wanted, you don't want to get married just because you can. At the same time, it, it would be, it, you have to know that you will come out of this. This too shall pass. Hi. Hi. Um, I'm one of the 20s, so <laughs> I have a different question. Um, I am hoping to go to law school, and so is my friend Amelia over here. So as future female lawyers, I wanted to ask you a little bit about your experience in the profession, how you think it can change in um, kind of the context of the Me Too movement, how it, it has changed. It's like a pretty conservative profession. Uh, so, yeah, I'd just like to hear about your take on that. I feel like law and, and people that are here that are lawyers can correct me if I'm wrong is one of the few fields where we have been given a certain equality. There are so many more female law students than there were 20, 30, 50 years ago. My graduating law school class at Loyola in Los Angeles had more women than men. Um, after that, then a lot of people maybe decide they want to go work in-house, whatever. I've always been a litigator. I've always been paid the same amount or more than my male counterparts. There may have been a couple women in my law school class that were sleeping with teachers. They were doing that because they really wanted to sleep with the teachers. They weren't feeling pressured into it. Probably the teachers were feeling a little bit pressured. That was in the 90s. So I can only imagine that it's gotten better. Um, you have to know going into it that it's hard. I do believe, and I know this is a broad generalization, but I think that the female mind and the way that we kind of weigh things and the way that we tend not to be as black and white as the male mind enables us really to have a great understanding for presenting two sides of a story and analyzing fact patterns in a legal situation, whether it be a torts case. And there's great cases that you learn about. There was a kid I remember who was riding on a vacuum cleaner naked as his mom was vacuuming and his penis got sucked off. 
and that they were just trying to determine the proximate cause. Like, was it the was it the vacuum cleaner company's fault? Should they have had something that prevented penis sucking off when they were making the thing? Was it the mom's fault? You really learn about all these things. And it, it's if you have that kind of a mind. Sorry, but I'm at a women's club. I have to talk about something like that. But you, but it, but but I do. I remember this case. I remember there was another case about a piano that got dropped out of a window and by accident. Whose fault was it when it fell? And what was the proximate cause of that? I do believe that we have the capacity and ability to have great legal thinking. And I think you just have to go in, eyes wide open, don't ever accept less than whatever anybody else is getting paid. Find out, figure out. I think that the legal field is actually one because of the background of you know, constitutional rights and everything that's going on right now. That is when we, we actually have a bit of a safe haven. Thank you. And good luck. Thanks. It also, by the way, the first year you're totally overwhelmed... The second year you like kind of start, it's like when they say when you're learning a foreign language, you start kind of dreaming in the language. And then the third year you're just bored to death. So find some kind of an internship or something else to do. But it's, it's very cool. It totally changes the way you think. Great. Thank you so much. Hi. Hi. Um, I'm going to stay seated. Thank you for sharing your knowledge for the younger women here who I'm sure are going to have awesome relationships um, and not get divorced. Can you still plant some seeds of wisdom around mediation? Uh, I know you wrote a book on it. I mediated my first divorce. Tried to mediate the second divorce, but whatevs. And also maybe give a little thumbs up or down on prenups just yes. so they can have this information. Okay, so that's a lot, but I'm, it's, it's a lot that I'm really good at talking about, so I will I'll go there. First of all, It's Over Easy is a mediation site. You have to be able to represent yourself and mediate through it. I was surprised when I came to New York from California and started meeting with New York matrimonial attorney colleagues that you guys don't do as much mediation as we do in California. And one of them, he was an older man, said to me, well, that's because we don't smoke as much pot as you do in California. And I was like, no, that's because you're just having a good time charging all these people to be a fierce asshole. But, <laughs> but most of my cases... We mediate. Most of my cases end with mediation. We hire a retired judge, and even though they both have lawyers, the the parties will come in and work with their lawyers with a mediator. It makes so much more sense in terms of cost-effectiveness and risk exposure than going to court and having a judge make a decision when he or she is under very, very strict timetables. The, The dockets are so crowded. So mediation is perfect, and that's why... I came up with It's Over Easy because I do believe that people today, if given the knowledge and the help to get through it, can do it on their own. It's Over Easy has mediator assistance, so we can help you and give you information to help you and your spouse work it out. So I love mediation. I think it's the only way to go. There's lots of different levels of it. Again, if you've got expensive lawyers that are helping you mediate or you're mediating as a self-represented litigant, mediation, go. I, I also, I think, wrote an article for the site a couple months ago called Co-Parenting with an Asshole. That's, that's the same kind of an idea, which is sometimes you can't mediate. Sometimes the other person really just is a fucking asshole, and you can't mediate with him, and, and you can't show the light. I still believe you take the high road. It, two wrongs don't make a right. You move through it as reasonably as you can, and then you get out. And then prenups. Okay, so prenups have a bad rap. Oh, you're pre-negotiating your divorce and you're planning ahead and da-da-da. I will say this. Many couples don't need prenups. If you start out in a relationship and neither one of you has anything, you may not need a prenup. Maybe you agree that whatever the law is in your state is something that you're cool with applying to you. 
but you have to know what the law in your state is. And it's so interesting to me that people get married, and when we get married, we have to pick the venue, and we sign a contract for the venue. And then we have to pick the florist, and we sign a contract for the florist. And then you have to pick the, the string quartet, and you have to pick, even you often will pay the clergy person that comes to marry you, and the, and, and, and the cake and the dress. All of these are contracts, and you're probably reading them over pretty carefully and going, I can't believe it's going to cost so much to get married. It better be worth it. It better be the most fantastic, wonderful, perfect princess day of my life, and hopefully it will be. But you're also on that day entering into a contract with the person that you're marrying, and do you know what the law is? Do you know what the terms of that contract are? In California, the terms of the contract are whoever makes more money is going to support the other person if you guys get divorced. In California, the terms of that contract are when you get married, everything you make from that day when you say, I do, you have to split with the other person. If you didn't know that when you got married, you missed a huge part of the whole marriage 101 situation, and most people do. And I have a ton of women who are the breadwinners in their family, who went to college or grad school with some great guy, and they were the star power couple, and they were going to do great and whatever, and they moved to L.A., and she got some power bitching job, and he decided he was going to write a screenplay. And he's been writing that screenplay for about 12 years, and they've got two kids, and she's bringing home the bacon, and she's paying the nanny, and she's still arranging the play dates, and she's still figuring out what the appropriate nanny situation is, and he's still writing the screenplay. So she comes in to me, and the, she is every woman in this situation, and says, I got to get this albatross off from around my neck. You have to help me. I cannot be with him anymore. He actually did not change his underwear for three days in a row last week and sat on that couch writing that fucking screenplay. And I say, okay, so here's what it's going to look like. Here's what you make, and so here's the support that you'll pay him, and you're going to give him half of everything, including all of the IRAs. And she goes, no, no, whoa, 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 wait, wait, wait. I need to get rid of him. I don't want to continue paying him and give him half of everything. I'm, I'm the girl. He should have gotten a job. He's a man. Why? I said, no, no, no. The law is blind when it comes to gender. He will be asking for all of that stuff because obviously he has a sense of entitlement and he is entitled to it under the laws, at least in the state of California. And so, therefore, the bottom line of the story is you need to know what the law is going in. And if it is in your best interest or if you don't want to succumb to the law in your state when you're going to get married, then you have to write a prenuptial agreement that says, I'm not down with either one of us getting half of what the other person's making. If, if one person's already making a lot of money, it makes sense because you go, look, I'm already pulling in this much per year. I'm older than you have been married before. You're not. I don't want to have to share my income with you because I've been working for 20 years to get where I am. I hope you understand. And he either says, oh, I totally understand and you're so gorgeous and wonderful and wise that I would marry you anyway. Or he goes oh, I'm going to go on Bumble and see if I can find somebody else. <laughs> but anyway, so it's important to talk about these things is my point. And if you need a prenup or you want a prenup, then you should force the issue. The other thing to know is even if you don't have a prenuptial agreement, it's super important to have some of those not at all sexy conversations about things that are going to happen during your marriage. Because yes, that day should be your perfect princess, flower, white dress, tulle, diamond-encrusted day. But now you got to go live the rest of your life. And so talking about things like, you know, my parents are older, and I just want to know, like, if they get to a point where they need assisted living, I would want them to come live with us. I don't want them to be in a home. Or how much do you think we should put aside every year for our retirement? Or, hey... 
I'm 35. I don't ever want to sleep on a futon again. If we're going to go on a vacation, we're not staying at your college buddy's house. We're going to get a hotel room. Are you okay with that? People don't talk about these things. It's not fun. It's not interesting. Are, are our kids going to go to private or are they going to go to public school? Are we going to raise them Jewish or are we going to raise them Hindu? How is this all going to work? Have those conversations. Whether or not you reduce it to writing is secondary to having a common understanding of what your expectations are. Hey, I was thinking, after we have kids, I may not want to go back to work. How do you feel about that? I have plenty of men that come to me and say, I was very surprised to hear that six months after she had the baby. You're allowed to change how you feel about it, but having those communications and having those discussions is really, really important if you want your marriage to last, which the presumption is if you're getting married, you'd like it to last. Hi. Hi. So my question is, you said you've been doing this for 23 years. Over the course of those 23 years, how have you seen the attitude of females getting divorced changed? Have people been more empowered to ask for more money? Have they been the one who are maybe unfaithful? Like, do they not want the childcare? Like, how have you seen gender norms change throughout those years? They always wanted more money. They've, all, they've been much more unfaithful over the past 10 years, and they always want the childcare. But that's the short answer. What has definitely happened is I've, over the past 10 years, represented and, and seen far more women breadwinners, as I said. In terms of childcare, I think people still want it. It's always great to have another hand on deck. I'm always surprised when the men say, like, I don't need any childcare. I'll take care of these kids by myself. And I say, why wouldn't you just want somebody else there to help you out? If we're, if we're going to figure out a situation that has you both with it, take the childcare. I do find, interestingly, um, one change that really has happened, and this isn't so much in the last 10, it's probably in the last 15, there is a lot of infidelity by women. I, I see a lot of guys that are really working and they're obsessed with work and whatever, and I see women who are sleeping around because they're not getting what they need at home. Far be it for me to judge, good, bad, or indifferent. It's just a trend that I noticed that wasn't happening 23 years ago and started happening a lot more. So I feel like that's, that, that's not a surprise, um, but that's definitely something that was a change. Also a huge change, although you didn't ask about this, is social media. Social media is something that has hugely changed my field of law in terms of evidence, in terms of custody, in terms of things that come in, and I think also in terms of just the, the, the general attitude. If I had to give you, you know, a few pieces of advice if you were going through a divorce, one is to be reasonable, the other is to handle it like a business transaction, the other is to really be kind to your ex-spouse because this is the person, if you have children with him or her, that's going to really be helping you raise those children. But the other is, don't post it on Instagram. I mean, it, it seems so elementary to me, but I know that so many of you kind of are coming up in this Instagram age. Just wait till you're done with the divorce. That would be my fourth piece of advice. Uh, I went to law school exclusively to do divorce law, but now I work in technology. That's an aside. Um, my best friend's actually considering divorcing her husband, so I'm interested in your ideas. What are the wrong reasons to get a divorce? The wrong reasons to get divorced? <sighs> That's hard to answer because I don't know your friend and I don't know what the wrong reasons for her to get divorced would be. But I would say the wrong reasons to get divorced would be, well, can I answer what the right reasons to get divorced are? The right yeah. reasons to get divorced are if the relationship has gotten to a point where you're not getting anything out of it anymore. I guess the counter to that is the wrong reason to get divorced would be that you found somebody that makes you feel better. 
I think that's like kind of a quick fix. I think that's often a symptom. You know, extramarital affairs are a symptom of something that's going on in the marriage. I have seen several marriages work through extramarital affairs. Unless it's happening to me, I can't be a good person to say whether it's wrong or right to get divorced. It's also a wrong reason to stay married for money. We as women, but also as humans, have the ability and capacity to support ourselves. California and New York both ask that both parents uh, figure out a way to support their children and become self-supporting. So staying in a marriage in 2018 for the money doesn't make a lot of sense to me. And I think getting divorced because you are bored because you may have found somebody that at the moment that's sexier or cooler or whatever, or because you are not feeling the whole financial situation, those are probably the wrong reasons to get divorced. Hi, um, Hi. I'm 26 and I'm getting divorced and uh, it's been pretty bad, but I, I'm the bre- I was the breadwinner and I was the one who wanted to get divorced and he was really not wanting that. And so I've been trying to be really kind and he's been asking for all this stuff, like all this money and furniture. And I just say yes, because I want to be nice. But um, how, how should I be kind and also like protect myself? So you can be really kind emotionally. You may not need to be so kind financially and materialistically. I think you need to find out what the law is. One thing I find is really, really effective in dealing with somebody who's hurt and angry is saying, let's separate the the heartbreak from this for a moment. We are having a business transaction here. You have taken the couch. You have taken the coffee table. You have taken the bed. I am really trying to be nice to you because I feel badly about this. But the fact is, both of us are the reason that this relationship didn't work. Here's what the law would say. We would divide up our property in a way that, that the state of New York says. I would be paying you in the way that the state of New York says. If I'm going to go over and above and be nicer to you because I want to maintain a relationship and be a compassionate human, I don't want you to give me such a hard time. And I think you can do that in a really strong and firm way. I think he needs to understand what the actual bottom line is and then say, and I'm going to throw you a bone on some of this other stuff, but only if I get something in return. And maybe all I'm going to get as return is just a thank you or it's going to be easier. But if we have to really go to the mat on this, you're going to end up with less and you need to know that. And I think that you need to say that clearly. And clearly it's hard and you're in pain. And I do promise you, you will get through it. You're 26. I know seeing a 49-year-old lady up here saying that is like whatever, but you will. (laughs) I do promise you that. And, and, you, and you sound like you are on the right path. Even asking that question shows that you're starting to get a little bit fed up. But I still think you can be kind. I still think you can be compassionate. And I still think that you are capable of not getting taken advantage of here by him. Thank you. Hi, uh, my name is Pollock. Um, I actually just started my own business a year ago, so I'm not anywhere near getting engaged or married right now. But talking about prenups, when is it smart to get a prenup? It's smart to get a prenup when you have your own business. Okay. <laughs> and again, you, you have to decide. If you're getting married to somebody, generally the thought is you're going to cast your lot with that person. Whatever you each make or create during your marriage, you're going to share. If you have your own business, you might go, mm, I'm not feeling that so much. I would rather make my business mine. And as much as I trust that you're 
beer brewing business or whatever you're doing, honey, is going to be a huge success. I'm willing to let you keep that too. And so that's, again, you have to decide. As for, for me, with It's Over Easy, for example, that's my baby. I wouldn't want to share it with somebody just by virtue of the fact that I was married to them. I have a boyfriend. We're very committed. We talk about it probably more than he'd like to talk about it. He's waiting right now to meet me for dinner because he wasn't allowed to come to the wing tonight, but he's really supportive. But if we were to split up, I don't want to give him part of it's over easy. So that's a good time. When you either are independently making income from something that you will continue to work on during your marriage or have a project, that's a good time to want to have a prenup because you're not willing to opt into a system that will one day make a decision for you. And how would you advise to bring, a, bring that topic? Okay, up? people ask me this a lot. And it's like, how do I broach the subject of a prenup agreement? It's got to be easier for you guys. Can you text him? Because that seems to be what you're all doing. You just text each other. Just text prenup? Question mark. Um, usually I will tell people, I mean, again, I, and I also don't want to tread on, like, I think it's really important to have, like, a glass of wine before talking about a prenup. But if you guys love each other and you want to get married... You have to talk about some things that are going to be uncomfortable, and this might be one of them. And it might be, hey, I saw this woman speak tonight. She talked about family law. She talked about some of the horror stories that she's seen in divorce law. I want to make sure that no matter, no matter whatever happens with us in our relationship, I keep my company and you keep whatever you have, and we'll certainly be able to p- contribute to our family and to whatever it is that we're moving towards. But I'm not comfortable just giving half of that to you. And again, in New York, I'm not sure you'd have to, but why worry about years and and hundreds of thousands of dollars of litigation determining that when you can make that determination right now? So again, it's not a fun thing to discuss. I hardly see the two of you like jumping into the sack afterwards, but you discuss it and you get through it. And I do believe that the people that have those conversations are the people that stay married longer. Very few of my prenuptial agreements have come back and gotten divorced. Hi. Um, Hi. I have some friends who are having children with their partners, but they're not married. Are there legal precautions or anything that these people should be putting in place? Or, like, how do you come to an agreement? I will tell you, as the mother of two, I don't have a piece of paper with me or either of my baby daddies. In your state, what will happen if they split up is they will have to share custody the same way a married couple would, and that will just depend on the circumstances at the time of the split and how old the kids are and what's going on and where they're each living, etc. And the parent who earns more income will have to supplement the other parent's income to pay for the kids. So it really makes no difference if you're married or not. Um, that the parent that earns more income will not be paying spousal support. So that's a plus, I guess, to that parent. But no, the rules really are the same with regard to child support and child custody. I believe that in New York State, it's the same way as in California. When you have a baby in the hospital and you're not married, dad has to sign something called a declaration of paternity. Dad is also likely going to be on the birth certificate. So if you really are partners in everything except for that whole marriage thing, then you're both raising the kid. The kid belongs to both of you. Sometimes if those people split up, I'll say, maybe you should get a judgment of paternity just to make sure it's all kosher. But like I said, I know they say, like, the son of the cobbler never wears shoes or whatever, but I don't have that, and, I, and we've been doing okay. Hi. From a prenup perspective, are there any additional protections that you would advise for same-sex couples? Additional protections for same-sex couples. So we've been doing, in California, they haven't been called prenups. They've been called partnership agreements or cohabitation agreements for years. And so now 
that the law is the same for same-sex couples. It's so much easier. So a lot of the precautions that we had to look into before, like, you know, in California, if you're going to split your estate with somebody, you have to split it, and then that person would be taxed as a gift because you weren't married. We don't have to worry about that stuff anymore. It's actually been so much easier for us now that same-sex marriages are legal. No, I don't think it's any different. And I might be missing something, but my same-sex prenups that I've done and my same-sex divorces that I've done have really been very much the same, with the exception of some old judges that just don't get it. Um, Definitely, if you are thinking about having kids, there is a whole body of law regarding eggs and embryos and putative parents and all those kind of things to look into. That law is still evolving, and it definitely needs to be examined. But in terms of just the marriage, I think in New York State, as well as in California where I practice, there wouldn't be anything additional that you'd have to look at because once you're married, you have the same insurance and retirement benefits and estate benefits and all that kind of stuff, which is really great for someone like me who's practicing divorce in those states. Hi, I'm Julia. I don't have a question for you as a lawyer, but I have a question for you as a woman who's kind of like forged her own path and did things her way. I can do that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I'm in a relationship. It's on the track to marriage, but I never thought I'd want to get married. I'm also a child of divorce. My partner is very, very traditional and um, will definitely want to get married. And what's happening now is I have a lot of friends that are single. pretty much the same age. A lot of my friends are single or dating and kind of thinking about things way in the long term. His friends are all married, getting pregnant, and there is so much pressure from them and his parents and even my parents to get married. And when are you guys getting engaged? Like, we're just waiting for that Instagram post. And I know what my priorities are. And like, I know, um, yeah, I just, I know that's, we're not ready for that. And I don't know if I want that, but it's so hard to block those things out in the moment. And I just have to share this story because this is like the lowest of the low. We, we were all taking a group photo with his friends. And one of his friends was like, oh, married people in the front. Like, you can go to the back. Like, <laughs> how do you just, in, and again, I'll go home and like, I'll rationalize that that's dumb. But in the moment, how would you handle those, that kind of pressure? Well, again, I'm in a different situation than you. I have been a not married person in a relationship for years. I would probably say, like, what a stupid thing to say. And, and generally, the people that are talking about how happy they are in their marriage and how, like, yo, great marriages are probably not that happy in their marriage. But who knows? Maybe, maybe that guy was really happy and he just really liked married people. <laughs> but in listening to you and listening to you, what you said and your story, you said something very interesting, and I'm not even sure that you're aware you said it. You said, I know we're not ready to get married. So you know. And again, in relationships, we do things for our partners. And I think you're supposed to. You're supposed to make sacrifices. You're supposed to do things for your partners. Getting married isn't one of those things. And I think you need to have a heart-to-heart. Again, his friends can be assholes, and so can his parents. But the two of you are the people in the relationship. And you need to say, like, I love you, and I want to be with you. I am not ready to get married. And you have to respect that. If you can't be with me any longer because I'm not willing to post that Instagram post with the engagement ring on... Then, then that's a problem because while you're asking me to like change and make what may be a sacrifice for you, I'm asking you the same thing. Who's going to give on this one? Can I follow up? Sure. Um, 
Also, how do you deal with making sure you don't feel behind? When, when you said that you had your first uh, kid at 36, my mom had my brother at 36, and that sounds great. Um, but there's so many women, again, from his group of friends that are 27. Are they like Amish people? <laughs> <laughs> but it's so weird. It's like, huh, I'm not engaged. I'm not married. I'm not pregnant. Am I behind? Like, is there something wrong with You're me? You're not behind. And again, I can't tell you because I'm not in your body. I was married at 25, and we had this great wedding, as I said. We never even talked about having kids. How whack is that? We never, he was Roman Catholic, I'm Jewish. We never even talked about it. Like, how would we raise the kids? So that, to me, was an indicator of something. I was not ready to have kids. I was dating and fooling around and being a crazy woman for at least another 10 years before. And even then, the guy that I had the kid with was like, hey, we love each other. We're super cool together. We both have the same goals. We come from similar backgrounds. Let's have a kid. And at that point, at 36, I was like, okay, maybe the clock is ticking a little bit. By the way, I had my second kid when I was 41. And I was fine, and he was fine. And I do believe, for me, that made me a better mother. I would have been a train wreck mom if I had a kid that young. Doesn't mean you would be. Doesn't mean other people are. There probably would have been other things I could have done as a mom and as a probably younger grandmother like my mom is to my kids because she had me when she was 21 years old. So you get it on both ends. There's always benefits and detriments. For me, I had my first home by the time I had a kid. I had been working already for probably 10 years by the time I had my first kid. So if I needed to take off to go to circle time and preschool or whatever, I took off. I was already a partner at my firm. That to me was important. And I do know for me, that makes me a better parent because I had a little bit of experience under my belt. I knew who I was. That comes from not so much what the circumstances are. It comes from the shoes. No, I'm just kidding. It comes from, <laughs> it comes from knowing who you are and being comfortable with your decisions. And you will be because what you said it, you said, I know we're not ready to get married yet. That was so reassuring. Thank you. Uh-huh. Hi, I'm Amelia. Um, I was kind of wondering if you think there's anything important regarding like finances at the beginning of a marriage um, that you think is important in terms of like divorces or I don't know, because you said like really figuring things out at the beginning and like what you're comfortable with. And I was wondering just because people don't really talk about the financial aspects. No, because it's boring and it's not sexy and it's not fun. You will be having some conversations at the beginning of a relationship, even before a marriage, when you, if you're going to live together, date, Talk about it because it really is important to know what expectations are. And people aren't always on the same page. If you really want to be saving a certain amount for each year for something or saving a certain amount so that you can go on a great trip or retirement or whatever it is, and he's out blowing it all at the bar, that's something to be discussed. For me, if I were a young person getting into a relationship, even before marriage, if I was living with someone, if I was sharing expenses with someone, I would want to be having those conversations. Hi. Um, I'm 37 and an attorney um, going through a divorce, the breadwinner, the one who initiated the divorce, and also about to embark on what is clearly going to become a, a custody battle over my son. And I think what um, I liked about my attorney at first was that she was very reasonable. And it's how I practice. I'm a corporate attorney. Um, and now it's becoming clear that I maybe need someone more aggressive. And I don't know when it's time to pull that trigger and switch. How old is your son? Uh, 21 months. And what would the custody battle be? Well, what does your ex see as being the uh, fair split? Well, he's been entirely, I mean, pretty much absent up until now. He actually has two kids from another marriage, and there was a custody battle there as well, which I didn't know at the time. There's been 
a lot of like manipulation and lies. And so now, um, in hindsight, a lot is coming out. And he has been generally absent with regard to our son, um, like I assume he was with the other ones. Um, but now I think he's pushing for more custody because he wants the child support from me. I had him sign a post-nup at some point um, because his ex-wife was actually trying to access my income in court when he could no longer pay her child support. Um, and so there's been a lot of extenuating circumstances. Um, and I'm just kind of getting to the point now where I'm wondering if my attorney is aggressive enough. Right. Before you switch attorneys, I would ask that you maybe... Are you guys in any kind of co-parenting counseling or anything else? And I know it sounds to me like the article that I wrote about co-parenting with an asshole might be based on your situation. But, I mean, is there any... I mean, is because if you say to this guy, look, the more we argue about this, the less money there's going to be for me to pay you as child support or for me to put away from him for college or anything else. Yeah, I've, I've tried all of that uh, because what it comes down to is I'm going to be solely financially responsible for our son, and I've kind of tried to beg him not to tie my hands while I do that. Um, but it's become very clear that he's kind of, like, desperate and flailing, and there's not going to be much reasoning going on, and I think we kind of have these like waves back and forth where he'll be like, okay, I'm done being crazy. I want to be amicable and reasonable. So let's do that. And we'll go to lunch and everything will be great. And I'll be like, okay, great. Let's keep being reasonable. I'll leave you all the furniture. I'll get my own apartment. I'll buy everything new. And then I turn around and I get punched in the face. And it's just like these like waves back and forth. And every time he kind of puts that forward, I am like, great. Yes, let's do it this time. And then get punched in the face. And I think this was kind of like the last time that, you know, I'm kind of like, I don't, I don't see any more light at the end of the tunnel, and I don't know that I see any more hope in terms of... Him becoming reasonable. Reasonable without um, third parties um, showing him how to be. Right. Again, I, and I don't mean to be so, like, reluctant. I just think switching attorneys is so costly. I think aggressive attorneys in custody battles can be really dangerous. It leads you down a dangerous path. Um, I think that if you can weather this storm a little bit longer and enjoy the days of him saying, I'm going to be reasonable, whatever. I also think that particularly in New York, a little more in California, where they still lean a bit towards what's called the tender years doctrine, the fact that your son is still under two might be helpful for you in terms of having more custodial time. Have you ever tried, and I know this, it hurts even to say it, but have you ever tried saying to your ex, like, I will give you money as though you had him more of the time, but just don't fight me on having him more of the time? One of the things I actually wanted to offer at one point was to take base child support off the table so he wouldn't owe me anything as long as he just kind of backed off of trying to drag him back and forth. Um, but my attorney shied away from it and was saying that she didn't think that his attorneys would agree to trade financial aspects for uh, Custody, yeah. Right. It wouldn't be a trade. It would be like, as, as you said, taking it off the table and trying to settle this part first. And again, the, the initial reaction might be like, I'm not doing this for the money. But if you actually did that, and again, child custody and child support are always modifiable. And if you establish a pattern of being the primary parent, even if it costs a little bit more right now, that would be what I would recommend. I just, I, again, I don't know any of the players. I don't know who your attorney is now. I, I caution you not to go down that rabbit hole of switching, getting a new person up to speed, and hiring somebody aggressive, which generally is not a great idea when it comes to custody because these are just people who pound their chests and they're not really thinking of the, you know, what they leave in their wake, which is just bloody body parts. <clears throat> so um, my husband initiated our separation. 
And um, we've been separated for quite a while now. So I'm wondering, in, I mean, you brought up a good point with uncontested versus contested. <clears throat> At this point, I'm wondering, am I just, like, is there any, am I just fighting a losing battle? Um, I know without knowing the details, um, but am I fighting a losing battle, um, you know, based on, like, me feeling like I, like I was done wrong? Like, what's, do I have a dog in the fight? Or should I just, we don't have kids, we don't have assets, we have nothing. So the reason that you guys have been separated for a long time and it's not done is just because you're pissed? Kind of? Yeah. And yeah. he was trying to, like, do something. I don't know. So um, do I have a dog in the fight? Should I just, like, give up the ghost and just go well, for it? I, I don't think you should give up, but I think you should move on. Now, again, I don't know the facts. If he tried to do something to you that wasn't right, that's not okay. But you're not going to exact your revenge on him by your failure to move forward with the divorce process. Let's think of another way to get revenge on him. Yeah. No, just kidding. Yeah, if, no, he's trying to, if he's trying to do something that's going to be taking advantage of you, besides just saying this marriage is over and we need to be done, then you need to fight that fight. But if it really is just, I'm not going to make this so easy for you, we're not getting divorced because you want it and I don't and you wronged me, I think you need to move on. And not because you're resigned or because you're willing to lose, because he's not worth hanging on to anymore. Just move on. You, there's so many other things waiting for you on the other side. Get what you need out of the settlement and then be done. You're not actually making him miserable by hanging on. He may say he's miserable, but he's already moved on. Yeah. Thank you so much. Um, just in general, what other tough conversations should you have before marrying someone? The tough conversations I would have would be those about... And again, you can't know everything at 20-something years old. And you can't, you can't intuit every possibility that could happen. But you might want to say, so what's your policy on the whole adultery thing? Because for me, I feel like if I found out that you were sleeping with somebody else, I would be done. Porn. Huge reason people get divorced. People aren't getting divorced because of porn. People are getting divorced because their feelings are hurt because nobody ever said to them, I really like porn. Can I just do porn? Like, can I watch porn like an hour a day and then I'll come back to you and I'll be with you? Nobody's having those conversations. And then when they catch them and they go through their cookies on their websites and whatever, they see all this porn and they're feeling betrayed. Counseling, communication, having conversations. I don't know what's going to be tough for you guys. Religion, friends that are platonic relationships that might turn into something else. Anything you think of, any book that you read, any article you read, talk to your mate about it. Have these conversations. It's very interesting to see what he or she is going to say, and it will inform how you deal with issues. And then, of course, there's going to be a zinger that you just never even thought of. And you can go back to some of those other conversations, but you're in a relationship with a guy, and you're talking about how do you feel about other girls, how do you feel about porn, whatever. He brings home, a, you walk in, and he's with a dude one day. You never thought that was going to happen. How do I address this? Just talk to each other. It's so important. And again, it's not always that fun, but I promise you, and I've lived for a very long time, longer than most of you, not as long as some of you, actually probably longer than anybody here, but anyway, it will absolutely, maybe not you. Okay, I've, I, we have a common bond with you. Thank you. Okay, I'm 49, so you're, you're give me inspiration. If you have these conversations, I, you will only gain. I, I don't believe that you will ever come back and go, oh, I wish I never even would have brought that up. You might think that in the moment, but later when you think back on it, you'll be like, remember when we talked about that porn? I knew that was going to be a problem with that porn, something like that. Or I was checking out that guy. I thought he was just looking at his blazer. He was looking at his butt. Whatever it is, 
have those conversations because they just add to the richness that's your life and they will equip you to deal with things either with your spouse or if you move on from your spouse. Well, I, I, I think I'm blessed. I don't know, but I've uh, been married for 30 years. You're we blessed. Got, we got married when we were 22 and 23. So the point is that what I haven't heard, I've been crying all evening because these beautiful young girls going through such hardships, so young in their marriages. So everything is not rosy in a marriage. It's work. Um, I told my husband, I've been with you longer than I have been with my parents or my brothers, because you live together for such a long time. What I don't hear tonight is where's the compassion for each other, the decency to work things out no matter how hard they are. I don't hear it. Is this what is happening today? It's an interesting question, and I have had people say that to me. Can't you just make it work? It's not the same as when my dad said, well, he's not beating you and he's not doing drugs. It's can't you make this work? And I say to people when I do prenups or when I'm at their weddings, this is the hardest job you will ever have. This is a commitment you make. You have to work through it. And I I don't know what's happening in these relationships. I love that these young women have a place to come and people that they can talk to and listen to and, and commiserate with. In their relationships, I do find that young people sometimes are a little bit more uh, instant gratification oriented. Maybe they are a little bit quicker to give up. But I also know this because I've worked with a lot of young people. Nobody wants to get divorced. Nobody wants to say yeah, this is not really, I'm not feeling this so much. I'm going to move on. It's very hard decision. And I think it's very brave to make it. I agree. Maybe we give up a little bit too easily early, easier in this generation than in our generation. But at the same time, it's a different world right now. And I'm hearing some of these women tell me this wasn't even their choice. It's very important to raise boys being feminists and loving women and respecting women. So I don't think you'll have as many divorces. I hope not. And I hope that that whatever the women in this room are going through that are going through their divorces, again, you will never make the same mistake twice. You may get divorced again, but you will never get divorced again from the same kind of a guy that you're married to now. And so learn from the experience. And to those of you that are thinking about it, see if you can make it work. She has a very good point. But I will tell you, after practicing family law for 23 years... You are blessed. The fact that you and your husband are able to make it work is a blessing. And it's not just because you're lucky. You've worked hard, and I get it. It's because you are Jewish. (laughs) It's not because you're lucky or you worked hard. It's because you're Jewish. You're the chosen people. So So thank you for coming to listen tonight. (laughs) Thank you for having me. With everything we're going through right now as Americans, as humans, and for those of us who are female in this Me Too moment, I feel like we really could keep talking. This is why I love New York City. People have opinions and they're not afraid to share them. The thing I want you to know, and this is something anyone getting married ought to consider, before you cast your lot with someone until, optimistically speaking, death do you part, talk about the stuff that's not romantic and sexy. Prenup or no, the list of things I gave these young women are just examples of the things people don't talk about before they get married. My thanks to Audrey and Emma at The Wing, and my deepest gratitude to my dear friend and colleague Judy Smith and her phenomenal, relentless team, especially Rosemary and Connor. Hi, guys. 
for all of their hard work to help me tell the world about It's Over Easy and to get me to dinner on time that night. We're not promoting divorce, but the reality is it's happening, and we're determined to make it easier for people. The Divorce Sucks podcast will be back in New York in one month. In the meantime, you can find information and insights on our blog at itsovereasy.com. Tap the subscribe button on the podcast and tell your friends too as well. You can also ask me anything at It's Over Easy on Instagram or Facebook, and we'll discuss this season right here on the Divorce Sucks podcast, hosted by me, Laura Wasser. Thanks, and remember, it doesn't have to be that way.